It's Tuesday, February the 5th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. We were thrilled to be able to sit down with Amy Ford, the founder and president of Embrace Grace, a ministry based in Dallas-Fort Worth, and we hope that you enjoy today part one of our interview with Amy Ford as she talks about life and the ministry of Embrace Grace. Well, I'm grateful to be joined by Amy Ford, and Amy Ford is the co-founder and president of Embrace Grace, and Embrace Grace is a nonprofit that inspires and equips the church to love on single and pregnant young women and their families, and this is just a ministry that we are grateful to be able to partner with uh, in some respects, but also just to be able to support and to uh, really allow other people to know what they are doing. And we're just excited for you to get to hear from Amy and how the Lord brought this vision of this ministry to her heart and uh, to the place where it is. Uh, Embrace Grace is based out of Hearst, Texas, and so they are in the DFW metro area. And Amy is also the author of a Bump in Life, True Stories of Hope and Courage During an Unplanned Pregnancy, as well as the Bump in Life Study Guide. And uh, she has a speaker. She also has a podcast uh, that she has and, and puts on on a weekly basis. And then she's also married to Ryan and has four kids, Jess, Mackenzie, Landry, and Judah Bray. So Amy, thanks for joining us and being here on the Defender Podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me to join in. Well, first, uh, just even as we start, can you explain just how the Lord has used your personal experiences, your own life experiences to call you into the ministry of Embrace Grace? Well, I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19 and I grew up in a Christian home and I was terrified of telling my parents that I was pregnant. I thought that they were going to kick me out. I thought they were going to hate me forever. Um, I definitely felt like the black sheep of the family. And and so I had thought, well, maybe I could just get an abortion, even though I knew it was wrong. Uh, But I thought, you know, I'll just do it and I'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. And I maybe just do it. And my baby dad, he felt the same way. And so um, we went to the abortion clinic and we paid for it and everything. And then I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room that day. And I I had really stuffed down all my feelings and emotions and pretended like everything was going to be fine when I wasn't dealing with the, I just had a lot of anxiety and everything and it all just erupted in that room. And so when, after I fainted, I, the nurses were fainting me, trying to give me a drink of water. And one woman just said, one of the nurses, she said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting getting an abortion. And so I went back out into the waiting room and told the father of the baby, we're still pregnant. And we just decided that we're just going to figure it out. We both felt like our parents were going to hate us, but you know, the enemy lies to you and tells you uh, things. He makes us be scared and have fear and, you know, do irrational things. And so uh, when we did tell our parents, it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. They definitely were disappointed, but it was fine. And we ended up getting married when I was 16 weeks pregnant and Ryan, the, the, my husband, which we've been married now 20 years. Um, the man that had led Ryan to the Lord years before 
um, he's a pastor. And so we had asked him if he would marry us. And he said, I'm sorry that I can't marry you because you've sinned. And so I can't bless this marriage. Mm. And we were just like, wow, like we have screwed up so bad. We can't even get married. Right. And it was, we found someone else that would marry us, but it was, um, even though the wedding was absolutely beautiful, it was a day of shame and, um, just it, I, w- I couldn't even really enjoy the moment because I was just too nervous that people are going to figure out, you know, that I'm pregnant and, um, you know, the most, most of everyone didn't know at that point. And so we, uh, we tried to go back to church a little bit after that. And as people started to know that we were pregnant, but it's like the elephant in the room, no one knows whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry, and they don't say anything. And so you feel alone in a crowd of people. And so we just stopped going. Um, a couple of years after we got married, that man that wouldn't marry us, he actually called Ryan out of the blue and he said, he asked for forgiveness. He said that he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever done. And he asked Ryan to forgive him and Ryan was like, of course I forgive you. And, and then, uh, he's a pastor in Austin, Texas. And, uh, we had, so we, I had a son, Jess, and he's amazing. I say I raised a kid, but he raised me. He's 20 now. (laughs) Um, He's at Oral Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, majoring in ministry and pastoral leadership. And he's amazing. And and like you said, we've, we've got four kids now. And, but so when Jess, my son was 16, so four years ago, um, that pastor in Austin, he invited me out to preach at his church. And he was very open with the congregation before I got there um, about what he had done years ago. Um, and he said that he had a religious heart and a Pharisee mentality. And he, but he told him all about Embrace Grace and, and all of that. And um, so when I came, I preached, I did my thing, talked about pro-love. And then afterwards, he asked me to come back on stage in front of everyone. And he also asked my son who was 16 to come on stage as well. And he said, Amy, I have, I asked Ryan, your husband years ago for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, will you forgive me for what I did years ago? And I was like, of course, yes. You know, look at this ministry now that that was launched. And, and so then he looked at my son and my son's on stage and he said, uh, Jess, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your home while you were in your mother's womb? I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16, in front of the old whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment. I mean, people's jaws were on the floor. Church wounds were being lifted off of people. I mean, it was amazing that you could, that this pastor was humbling himself in that way. And, um, it was beautiful. And so, and now they have an embrace grace at their church. So going through, you know, all of this church stuff, it just really made me see, like, even though I got married, I still felt alone in a crowd of people. And, um, and, you know, there's so many single and pregnant moms out there that don't even have a guy in the relationship at all, or any kind of support or parent support. And, I at least had that and I felt alone. I can't even imagine how hard it is for them. And so I was, it really, uh, that idea or what I went through launched um, Embrace Grace. I was at, when my son was 10, I was at a, uh, a women's ministry conference and I had a vision. I've never had a vision before and I've never had a vision since. And it was during worship and it was like snapshots going off 
in my mind. And it was, um, the first snapshots were, and it was so real. It, it was of me being single and pregnant. And I looked really sad from years ago, but then the snapshots changed to me throwing baby showers. And that year I had thrown 13 baby showers for my girlfriends. Like all my friends had a baby boom and I'm the party girl. Uh, and so I'm the one who's always throwing the parties. And so that was it. It was just tons of snapshots. And I was like, what was that? That was insane. That looked so real. And um, as I was leaving, I ran into the group's pastor at my church, Gateway Church in uh, South Lake, Texas. I, I ran into her and I said, I saw this vision and this is what I saw. What do you think it means? And she said, why don't you just start a small group for girls with unplanned pregnancies? And the, um, the baby shower will be the hook to get them to come. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I never let anything before. But we did it. We tried to Google single and pregnant curriculum. There was no such thing as single and pregnant curriculum. So we just kind of winged it. And um, it was amazing. Like they, the three girls came, one wore a coat in August in Texas because she was terrified of stepping foot into a church where everyone could see that she was pregnant. And uh, they, they wouldn't make eye contact. There was just sadness, hopelessness. And so I really felt like I had no idea what I was doing for sure and leading. I mean, I'm a really good cheerleader. So I'm like, you're going to be a great mom. God loves you, you know, just cheering them on every week. And it was amazing to see the transformation, um, not only on the outside, but on the inside. They had hope again. They were confident. All three got saved. It was amazing. And even just leading, we were just like, this is so awesome. We literally felt like we had front row seats to miracles every single week. And these women became empowered mothers or, um, you know, in some of our Embrace Grace groups, the girls are placing for adoption, but they feel empowered as women to be able to carry the baby and to, and that, and they know that they're not alone. So, uh, we did it again, three more girls came, then eight, then 14, then 21. And then other churches started calling us saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? And we were started writing our own curriculum and it just kind of blew up. And 2012, we started the nonprofit, uh, realizing we were so focused on helping people, but now we're realizing we need to help people, help people and help mm -hmm. the church in this area. And so, uh, it started in 2012. We now have about 540 churches, 47 states, and eight countries that do Embrace Grace groups. Um, we want the church to be one of the first places a girl runs to instead of the last because of shame and guilt. So Embrace Grace is a 12-week support group for single and pregnant young women that is actually done at the church. Pregnancy centers refer the moms to uh, to the church to go through. And like I said, the baby shower, a lot of time is the hook for the ones that choose to parent and, uh, the ones that choose to place their baby for adoption. We throw them a big party to celebrate and honor them. That is amazing. And so, but they're discipled and they meet other girls going through the same thing that they are. And it's just beautiful. It's been so fun to watch how it's just multiplied and how the church is now starting to want to get involved and uh, be there for these young moms. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, I love just watching and seeing what you guys have done by these groups because you're opening up the doors of the church to, one, women who were there in the first place. Um, and similar to your story, uh, are, were rejected, but then two, those who have never been in the church. And so uh, obviously the, the local church is such a big part of Embrace Grace's model. Um, how, how do you see 
uh, the church now opening up to seeing these women and, and really these families differently than they had in the past? Well, I think the ones inside the church, you know, I, I hear so many pastors say, oh, we don't have pregnant people in our church. And I'm like, yes, you do. You have pregnant people at your church. And the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside the church. Um, and so really it's been like, we love helping pastors open their eyes to this, but say it was like, say it's a small church and it's all senior citizens and, um, you know, they really are older people. So they actually probably don't have pregnant people at their church. Then we want to, show them that it's an outreach. Like you can go, they're everywhere. Go find them. They're at the pregnancy centers. They're on the Facebook buy, sell trade pages, posting that they need baby stuff. You know, they're everywhere or everyone knows someone that is single and pregnant. And so let your church be known for uh, welcoming these moms in, uh, whether they are within the church or outside the church and, and to do outreach. So we really love just even training and showing churches that this is just like going to feed the homeless or um, doing Celebrate Recovery or whatever programs that you have. This is just another program to make sure that these girls don't slip through the cracks. And we can't, you know, I always say if Roe v. Wade was overturned tomorrow, would the church be ready? And I really, mm. as a whole, I don't think they are. You know, there's going to be a lot of pregnant people and they're going to be really upset and sad. And so we have to prepare and make sure that these girls know that it is a safe and welcome place for them to come to. And not only inviting them in, but saying, we're going to walk with you and we're there with you every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, and even with that, if you could, even as you, you know, are in and engaged in so many different ways in the pro-life movement, I know we were both that the evangelicals for life uh, several weeks ago, as well as the uh, national pro-life rally uh, in Washington, DC, um, if you could change, though, something about the way that Christians approach the pro-life movement, especially with what you see ministering to these women and, and these families, what would you change? Well, I think that the biggest thing is that a lot of people just feel like it's a political issue. And so, especially being as pastors, you know, you don't, you don't want to talk about political issues. And I just wish that people were talking about it more. Um, and I, because I believe we can create a Me Too movement with even uh, the post-abortive, you know, but it just takes people talking about it and being vulnerable for someone else to say, you know what, Me Too. And, um, and so I just, I'm, I, I believe that even post-abortion healing is, could be the key to revival in our churches. I am amazed whenever women or men go through abortion healing that they are not, they then want to go get involved and they want to be that person that they wish they had had years before when they made their abortion decision. And so, um, being more open and talking about this issue more and not from a place of condemnation, but of a place of grace. And, you know, God is a healer and he promises to turn all things for good for those that love him. And the word also says that we overcome by, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So as people are sharing their stories and being more vocal about it, we are overcoming. And so um, I just wish that we could 
not look at it as such a, a political issue, but focusing more on being a voice and making it unthinkable because of the great and amazing resources that are out there. And um, it doesn't have to be a political issue. It's a people issue that in one in four have had an abortion, you know, so we, we have to speak up more about this topic um, and, and make, and doing it in a way that, you know, we love pro-love. That's like our term that we use here at Embrace Grace, because you can't argue with loving people. And we've seen so many people become pro-life just by being a part and seeing how much love there is out there that it's like, why would you feel like you need to have an abortion when there's so much love and support out there by the local church uh, that can really help? And so um, it's like a way to really open their heart and not make them feel um, like they're on one side or the other, you know, just, just love people and watch what God will do. Well, we hope that you will join us tomorrow for part two of our interview with Amy Ford of Embrace Grace and hope that you will join us and be able to learn more about how we can defend life and image bearers of God through the way that we are pro-life in every day. And thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.